the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I am your host, Greg, and this week we are starting off with college football. Why? Because rankings came out, and boy, does everybody have an opinion, including yours truly. So let's get into it. As you know by now, the top four teams in the rankings went Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Alabama in the cursed number three spot, fingers crossed we can all hope. And the number four spot goes to Penn State. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. Everybody's up in an uproar. I get it. You look at the rankings. LSU looks like the clear-cut number one team in the country. Joe Bearbutt Burrows is slinging the football all over the field. And then you're like, then how is Ohio State number one? Well, for starters, they trounce everybody they face. Not just like one team. Every single team. That may have something to do with the fact that they have not had that tough of a remaining strength of schedule in general. In general, their schedule has been pretty softball this whole year. If you look at them, point to one team that's really supposed to be hard. Wisconsin, well, they faltered big time. Big time faltering. Besides that, Michigan State maybe crushed them. All they have left is Penn State and Michigan. But who do they get before that? A little team from Maryland. Oh, and Rutgers. Now, no offense to anybody that likes Rutgers, but they're basically the equivalent of, I guess if you think about it right now, the Dolphins or the Browns in the NFL. Like, it should be a win. Unless you're the Jets. Thanks, Jets, for always being a good punchline. By the way, if you notice, I do have a bit of a stuffy nose. I apologize for that. So I sound a bit stuffier and maybe a little more whinier than normal. So, I I don't know what to tell you. You got to deal with it. I'm fighting through. You fight through. So, as I was saying, Ohio State. Cupcake schedule. Yet, they're number one. This has always been the thing with Alabama. Everybody's like, Alabama has such an easy schedule. Alabama doesn't have to play anybody. Well, Ohio State really doesn't either until their final two games. Then, plus the Big Ten Championship game. So, the thing is, you look at that, you're like, okay. Well, you can say if they win all those three games, obviously... They deserve a spot in the championship. And by the championship, I mean the playoffs. Then, that would kick Penn State out. Because obviously, they meet November 23rd. Both of them are top four teams. If they keep winning, one of them is going to have to lose at that point. Whoever loses is out. Plain and simple. Same thing with LSU-Alabama this weekend. It's going to be a battle. We all know it. Will Alabama, you know, come out on top? Well, good chance, because it seems like Alabama always does. Or will LSU finally get over that Alabama hump? That seems to be a roadblock for them every single year. Doesn't matter what year, every single year. They have the high-flying offense. Joe Burrows is leading, Heisman favorite. Kyler Murray even came out saying it. Or will Nick Saban go in and not pounce? That'd be weird if he pounced. But will he trounce? Coach O in the, in the LSU Tigers, as he would say, because he's a football guy from the Bayou. If you don't know who Coach O is, 
just pull up a clip, spot on impersonation. Anyway, so here's the thing. People are freaking out. Clemson, undefeated, last year's national champ. How are they not in the top four? They haven't looked like a top four team. You're lucky they're number five right now. People complaining about Minnesota, who's undefeated right now, coming in at number 17 behind Kansas State. They're probably going to lose to Penn State this weekend, so relax. Then they're like, how is Penn State in there? Well, Penn State has the second hardest schedule in all of the country this whole year, according to metrics. So it makes sense that they're in the top four. Ohio State is just in there because they have trounced everybody. They have completely blown away all the competition, so there's no way you can't say they're a top four team. Clemson hasn't done that. But Clemson, as long as they went out, they go undefeated, they win the ACC championship, guess what? They're going to be in the finals. They'll be in the playoffs because, like I said, Penn State or Ohio State will have to lose. There's no ties in college football. Think about that, NFL. That's a side note. Then, LSU, Alabama, somebody has to lose. And I honestly feel like you could not this year out of all years. I say it every year, it feels like. But this year, whoever wins this game, whoever goes to the SEC championship game and wins that, because you assume it's going to be one of these two teams playing this weekend, that is the lone representative for the SEC. Please, committee, for the love of God, let that be the only representative. Because if Oregon, if Baylor, if one of these other Power 5 schools runs the table doesn't lose the rest of the season, you have to give them a chance. Just because you love the SEC and the fact that they're a power football, which, mind you, every bowl season, that seems to go out the window. I feel like the SEC every bowl year is terrible. Like, they'll have Alabama and, like, LSU win, but then Auburn and Georgia and all these other teams will randomly lose to schools that they were supposed to beat. So I beg you, committee, just just do the right thing. Winner of Alabama LSU, if they go on to win the championship, they're the representative. You don't go, well, you know, it was a close game. Tua was just coming off injury. Or, you know, LSU just had an off night. They should still be in it. They're still one of the best teams. No, they didn't win. The whole point of this was so conference champions had a better chance in the top five power groups to make the playoffs. And if you did that last year and this year, where you have two SEC teams and Notre Dame last year, which you don't have to worry about this year because, well, Notre Dame choked against Michigan. Still still can't get over that. Then, well, you need to change out the whole committee. Put new people on the committee. Make Paul Feinbaum the committee. Because honestly, the committee doesn't know S-H-I-T then. I spelled it out for the younger viewers if they're out there, so they don't know what I'm saying. But it'd be a lot of bull. Just like, so that's the issue with the rankings. Ohio State's strength of schedule doesn't match the number one team. Alabama's either. But the names and what they've done to other teams that they face, the lesser competition, gets them to where they are. Of course, Alabama has to get through LSU and Auburn plus an SEC championship game, potentially. So it will all it will all get figured out 
the only thing you will have to worry about, truly, is at the end of the year, will the committee think the SEC still reigns supreme and should have two representatives out of four total teams? Because if that's the case, well, then we should just have the college football playoffs and have four teams. You know what you do? You take the other four teams, the other four of the five power conferences. You take the Big Ten champion, the Pac-12, the Big 12. You take all those champs. You take all them all. Not just one or two of them. You take the rest. And then you have the top four teams in the SEC battle it out. And then the winner from the SEC and then the winner of the four other conference power conferences face off. And we I guess we see who wins. Right? You get because then you would have everybody happy. The ACC would be represented, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12. You have all five there. The SEC just gets four teams. Everybody else gets one. Seems fair, right? No, it doesn't. That would be ludicrous. That's a terrible idea. If somehow that becomes a thing, don't blame me. But now we're going to move on to some NBA talk because enough about rankings, am I right? Like, we don't, we don't need to keep talking about rankings and where teams are. We'll have a lot clearer picture after this weekend, especially after the LSU-Alabama game. Who knows? Maybe Penn State gets upset by Minnesota. You never know. College football is crazy, where literally every single game matters. Unlike the NFL, where you can lose one here, you can lose one there, and still be all right. But so, NFL is later, NBA is now. And when we talk about the NBA, we have to talk about Two or three big things. One, anybody know who's playing for the Warriors, actually? Because, honestly, I looked at their starting lineup yesterday, and I thought it was the G League team. Didn't recognize one name. Not one guy. Sorry, Willie Cauley-Stein. Recognized him. And then I went, wait, Willie Cauley-Stein's on the Warriors? I thought he was on the Kings. So that's your Golden State Warriors this year. Opening up their new arena. Kind of sad. Kind of sad that a team like that was so high for so many years. And because of injuries and guys leaving, just (laughs) splat, slammed. It's done. Granted, when Clay comes back, when Steph comes back, when Draymond, when D'Angelo, because literally all of them are hurt right now, all different varying degrees of hurt. But when they all come back and are healthy, they'll be competitive. But it's probably not going to be. It's probably not going to be until next year. That was a really good tongue tying there. But it won't be until next year. So Steve Curry, you get a break. Good for you. I guess it's still not year one of you actually coaching, because you're going to be like, hey, I had to coach G League team for a full season, and I won like six games. I mean, they beat Portland. Come on, Dame. What are you doing? Dollar Dame can't beat the bench team of Golden State? It's a bad look. It's a really, really bad look. You probably should have taken a night off for load management. It's what Kawhi's doing. It's what a lot of guys in the league are doing. And it's an issue. Now, here's the issue I have with it. We're going to get into load management. That's right. So Kawhi Leonard took off. 
for load management the night of a nationally televised game against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks, not in Milwaukee, in LA. And it's on the back-to-back of a back-to-back games for them, for the Clippers. So I get it. You, you kind of have a knee issue, they say. You're resting up. Last year, he missed 20-something games. He was coming off the quad thing. Still won an NBA title. You'll take him missing games if you're the franchise for an NBA title. It's a good trade-off. The big issue is the fans, obviously. The fans want to see Kawhi. The fans want to see the best guys every night on the court. And a lot of times now, it's not happening, and it's an issue. It's not a big issue. It's something we can get over. But it's still an issue because it's interest. It's an interesting thought process to me. Because one, it completely changes the product on the court, how the team performs, and everything. One guy, like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, any of those guys, it makes a difference. Again, look at the Golden State Warriors. Look at the Cavs when LeBron left. They still had Kevin Love, but he's not the same type of player as LeBron. So it's interesting. Nationally televised game, hyped up all week. Giannis, Kawhi, rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. Last year, two of the top five players in all of the NBA. The reigning MVP versus the reigning Finals MVP. Game day, load management. Not only are fans disappointed, networks are disappointed. Everybody's disappointed except Kawhi. He got the night off. Can't be mad about that. But it's an interesting thing. I was listening to ESPN yesterday. Tim Legler made a really good point. Kawhi gets nights off for load management. What about the guys that have to play extra minutes who are the reserves who already play 20 plus minutes every night? Do they get load management nights? Do they get days off because they've been playing extra time, especially when the star player is on the bench? No, they don't. They don't get load management because they aren't important. Like Kawhi's important. Like LeBron. Like Anthony Davis is. Like Blake Griffin. Like all these other superstars for these teams. Chris Paul. James Harden. Russ. Like all these guys get load management nights for these quote-unquote injuries. That on back-to-back nights, the next night they're fine. There's not much you can do about it. You can technically get fined if you don't have a legitimate reason for load management. The NBA made that rule change. But how hard is it to say, oh, he strained his ankle. His knee feels off. Like, it's not hard. It's not rocket science to say, oh, hey, this is hurting me. It's not in my best interest to play tonight. I need a night off for load management. Can't get questioned for it. That's what Kawhi's doing. It's just somewhat annoying. You can say it's a whiny fan thing, but if I'm paying a few hundred dollars to take me and my family to go see this game, I want to see the top players. I don't, no offense, want to see, I'd see Lou Williams. I don't care about Patrick Beverly. Yeah, he's a good trash talker. My kids don't know who Patrick Beverly probably is. I want to see Kawhi. I want to see the guy who's everybody's wearing his jersey. So it's just those type of situations for fans' perspective make it annoying. You're getting paid millions of dollars 
to play basketball. We all wish we could. I get it's a long season. But when it's nationally televised, I feel like the other thing Legler said that I agreed with, if it's going to be nationally televised, don't make them on back-to-back nights. Don't do back-to-backs where the guy might take off one night and play the other night when it's nationally televised. Try to spread it out if you can. Makes sense. I get it. But it is somewhat frustrating from everybody's perspective. Also frustrating, apparently, the new rules in the NBA where coaches can challenge fouls. One coach who is not a fan, also involved with the Lakers, not the Lakers, the Clippers, Doc Rivers. The other night he tried challenging a call where Eric Bledsoe jerked his head back and had a foul offensive foul call. They challenged it. Bledsoe was never touched. Like not even near his face. Ref said, nope, it's still a foul. Doc was livid, as he should be. His guy committed zero foul, made zero contact, and he's somehow still being penalized even after the review. Now we've seen this. NBA. NFL, MLB, umpires are now getting held to a more strict viewing, I guess you could say, and critique of what they see because TV can show you better angles, slower speeds, calls they're making in instance can now be scrutinized and have milliseconds of the play go by on your screen and you could be like, clearly he was tagged. When the guy's finger was half an inch from the bag. How'd the ump miss that? But here's the thing. Now I'm curious to see if it'll happen in the NBA like it has in the NFL. With the pass interference stuff. Pass interference has not been overturned. Even on some calls that are blatantly obvious. Blatant. Like couldn't be more clear. Still not overturned. And it somewhat has happened already in the NBA with this new rule put in place. It's like 30% have been overturned total. Now, in the MLB, most of the time, replay does get the call correct. It does get changed. Things are put in their proper order of how they should be. So at least MLB umpires are at least going, hey, I made the wrong call here. The guy was safe or the guy was out. Let's correct this. The coach team wanted me to. We looked. Hey, you're right. We were wrong. Boom, here you go. That's the situation. Except that whole interference call in the World Series. Luckily, it didn't matter. But the NBA and NFL refs seem to be having a slightly harder time admitting this. So it's fascinating. I'm going to see. It'd be interesting to see if the NFL has to change their pass interference rules at the end of the year of the challenge because of how poorly it's going. And if the NBA keeps their challenges around. Because if it is a small percentage getting called and reversed, what's the point? Like, honestly, what is the point? To add more time to the game? That's all it's doing. If you're not going to call a blatantly bad call over because maybe you don't feel you were in the wrong and you thought you and you saw what you saw and you know you were right despite video evidence then what's the point? It makes no sense. And Doc Rivers has every right to be annoyed. He does. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it continues. But for right now, I'm in Doc's corner. Makes no sense. 
if you're not going to call the fouls or reverse the fouls as they should be called, why even have it be a possibility? But that's all for the NBA for now. Besides that, Lakers looking good early in the season. LeBron, triple-doubles galore. He's showing that, hey, I may be one of the old guys in the league, but I am still one of the top guys in the league. Nobody's questioning it, LeBron. Maybe like Skip. Maybe a few other people, but not me. Still know where you're at. Still know you're one of the top dogs. Besides that, Ben Simmons on the Sixers sprained his shoulder. Don't know exactly how no timetable for how long he might be out. Outside of that, though, let's get into some Paul's pylon. Am I right? Yeah. I think it's time. You've been waiting. I've been waiting. Well, I've been talking. But let's not forget, Paul's Pylon is brought to you by Best Buds CBD. If you need to take a little edge off for you or your pet, go check out Best Buds CBD for your gummy needs, your dog treat needs. Just help, you know, take the edge off of life. And make sure you go to www.bestbudscbd.com slash hashtag 12OunceSports to help us out. Because I'm your best bud, you're my best bud. Paul's, it's everybody's best bud. So make sure you check out Best Bud CBD again. And if you do, go to www.bestbudcbd.com slash hashtag 12OunceSports.com. All right, now here it is, Paul's Pylon. Paul's Pylon. That is right. It is another week of Paul's Pylon. And I can tell you one thing about Paul. He never has to double check if he's wrong or right because he's always kind of in the middle. But if he's talking to his wife, he's definitely wrong. Let's just put it that way. But Paul, another week. What do you got for us this week? How are you? I am great. Um, Another Friday upon us, headed right into the weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit about play reviews in professional sports. Because... Everybody hates them. Am I right? Everybody hates them, but we got a fun fact that's going to tell you why we need them. I mean, I know why we need them. We just (laughs) hate them. It's called mistakes. Well, you hate them, but you love them, right? You love them if it's in your own team's favor, and you hate them if you die in a slow death. I, I mean, you didn't know this, but I talked about replay before this segment, and I made it very clear there's only one sport that I don't mind replay because they tend to do it right and that's baseball yeah that's uh that's uh probably a a true statement um but did you know in 1988 Peter Ubra said there will never be instant replay and replay for referees and umpires in baseball ever yeah he didn't know what this year and the past few years technologically would look like we want robot umpires you know, it, it's. It, I know this is is over the airwaves, but if you um, see some of the um, timelines of replay, and you look, they they damn near get into the back of a tractor trailer to look at it, and now they're looking at a. I can't say it right because it's an ad, but they're looking at something that looks like a little uh, tablet with a sunscreen, and life is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, what what are your fun facts? What do you got? What what do you have to present to the people this week with the facts? So 
from 1999 to 2016, <clears throat> there were 4,584 games. And in that time frame, there were 5,916 reviews. For We're talking about football right now? I'm sorry. This is, yeah, this is in NFL. This okay. is in NFL. I was like, yeah, there's, there's a lot more. Yeah. There's a lot more games yeah. in general across all sports than just that. So of it, of the 5,916 reviews, 2,178 had a reversal. So it's like 40%? 37%. Who can go to work every day and keep their job when they're wrong 37% of the time? Wait, there is somebody. Baseball players. The weather. <laughs> well, that too. The Baseball players play. only have to be hit a ball once three out of every 10 at-bats. Average time delay is an hour two minutes and 45 seconds time. Oh, so it feels like an hour times 5916 reviews that's nuts that's a long time that's added some time to the game and isn't it people always complain baseball takes too long i think foot foot this is the thing football and baseball i'm pretty sure have the exact same amount of time that they use to play the full game football has two seconds of action for every 40 seconds of standing in a huddle they're basically the same thing, but everybody complains only about baseball. So nobody says baseball minutes, right? It's no. football minutes. The last two minutes of football could be the whole game. The last two minutes of baseball is usually that walk off of that final out and it's the most boring part of the game or the most exciting. Exactly. But watching grass grow, baseball. That's <laughs> still my favorite. Nobody's getting beat up a... It is fun to watch. There's always something going on, sometimes yeah. in baseball. And by the way, if your team's losing by any kind of a margin, it's like, oh, dear God, please get me out of this. Yeah. Turn, turn me to the Hallmark Channel and get me a holiday movie. <laughs> you and your family and my wife and their Hallmark movies. You know, you got to love them. You know, it's funny. We have this person in the family that just doesn't think Christmas should even exist until at least the day after Thanksgiving. And I think I heard him singing Christmas carols last weekend. That guy must have been sick or delusional. Maybe, yeah, he could have been. He could have been. But, you know, there's Christmas music at my house, and I looked for it on the car radio, but it's not yeah, there yet. Because the rest of the world is normal. Because the rest of the world all has Your family and Hallmark satellite. are the only two that start Christmas October 30th. <laughs> uh, no way, Jose. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. First instant replay, Greg. All right, yeah, back to back to the main topics. Yeah, well, you know, we digress. but We do, a lot. So the first instant replay, not in an NFL game in football, but it was the Army-Navy game in 1963, a game that almost didn't get played. Jackie Kennedy insisted they play the game after her husband was assassinated. So invented by Tony Verna, 29 years old, and doesn't tell anybody that's in the broadcast booth or doing the game until they're on the way to the game. He says, we're going to try something. So pretty, pretty ballsy by Tony. He's got a tractor trailer full of these tape decks that are about the size of a refrigerator. And what used to take 15 minutes of people running out, splicing tape and running back in and being able to broadcast, he could do in 15 seconds. So that was the birth of instant replay. And, the announcers had to keep telling everybody, no, he didn't just score another touchdown. We're showing an instant replay. So 
Imagine having imagine those poor announcers having to try to explain this technology they didn't even know of. They had no they're idea. Like, they're like, no, no, I swear to you, this isn't actually happening. This is it's magic. It's sorcery. Well, Tony, uh Tony left us um at eighty one years old in two thousand and fifteen and was inducted into the broadcast hall of fame and um recognized for his work because all of those instant replays and ref replays and umpire replays probably wouldn't be happening happening without his technology. No, definitely not. We want to be able to say, hey, ump, you clearly got that wrong. Or, hey, ref, that was clearly a foul without him. So thank you, Tony. We can Tony, all get angry man. because of you. <laughs> <laughs> and 29 years old, that's a pretty uh, impressive invention. Some of us are just really smart when we're 29, and some of us just aren't, Paul. How could he do it secretly? Who the heck has a tractor trailer and <laughs> all that equipment later? Listen, on? it was a different time. It, it was. was. You could have a secret tractor trailer where you did weird experiments back then. Nowadays, you might have the FBI kicking your door in. It's one of those technical things that you just don't believe happened. Yeah, exactly. So, other sports with uh, instant replay? Um, NHL. NHL moved to instant replay in 1991 for goals. And illegal hits for suspension and fines. And just like... That way. Pardon? I don't think theirs has changed. I think that's all it's still used for. It is. And it's progressed. It left the stadium and it went to the war room in Toronto. They do like the uh, NFL now shipping it off to New York. You don't say, eh? (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) Oh, those guys up there have to look at the replay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they go over and lean on the glass and look through the little hole and they put on their headphones and they come back and it's a goal. Oh, hey there. I looked in there, Bob, and uh, what did you see there? Oh, it was a goal there, Stu. <laughs> this could go. <laughs> we could make a whole new show. Oh, we could there. Oh, okay. Go on there, Polly Wally. I don't know if you have an accent for the next one. The Try NBA. It. I think it's near and dear to your heart. I mean, I just to talk normal. People will be like, Brian Scalabrini on the Celtics? <laughs> I don't know what that even means. He, he was a tall, ginger. I'm, I don't have red hair, but he was a tall, ginger-haired white man. In the NBA? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, just saying. So after the 2001-2002 season, um, and it was only used initially for the last second game-winning shots. Yeah. Kind of a lot of technology for one little thing. And now, of course, it's evolved. It's got flagrant, this is not easy to say, flagrant fouls, two versus three points, um, the 24-second shot clock violations, and uh, who touched the ball last on its way out of bounds in the last two minutes of the game. And, of course, the latest is NBA coaches now can challenge just like they do in the NFL and MLB. And I don't know if they do in the NHL, but now they can challenge if it was an actual foul or not. I talked about it earlier. Doc Rivers was very upset about a play the other night. The guy whipped his head back, got an offensive foul called on the Clippers. They reviewed it. Clearly there was no foul. And the ref said, no, that's a foul still. And just like they do in the NFL, couldn't admit that they were wrong. Again, that's why I like the MLB. They admit when they're wrong, and they change the rule the ruling on the field. NBA, NFL, not so much. So MLB does it right. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit. So yeah. 
I said Peter Ubroth, never going to be used, but September 3rd, 2008, one of my favorite players, Alex Rodriguez, hits a home run on Tropicana Field, and it's ruled a home run. Tampa Bay's coach goes ballistic, and they review the play. It hit one of those ringing things, didn't it? No, it was upheld as a home run. <laughs> no. no, but did it hit one of the rings up in the sky that they have? Because now they have a bunch of different rules for Tropicana Field, where if it hits ring A, it's a foul ball. If it hits ring B, it's a home run. If it hits ring C or D, it's a foul ball and it's a dead ball. Like, they have all these different rules. You know what you shouldn't do? Make a stadium that you have to have rules if a ball goes so high it hits the top of it. Where is the indoor bat? Is it basketball that has the had the... Um... I'm thinking Dallas. Oh, no. It's the Cowboy Stadium that has a gigantic thing that the punters hit. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah. So they had to make a rule for that, too, in the first few seasons. I think they raised that or something because that yeah, hasn't happened did. in a while. That's crazy. Imagine that. How do you build something that you know the ball goes that high in the air and you put it there anyway? Well, it's Tampa. Well, Dallas, it's Jerry World. He's just ridiculous. Tampa Bay, though. It's Tampa Bay. I mean, do we need to go further? Were they hanging? They must have been hanging manatees or something. Sorry. It's not even it's not even Tampa Bay. It's St. Petersburg. <laughs> Do I need to say more? There you go. So now I got another fact about Alex Rodriguez. You are harping on it. I don't mind it. All right. Let me let me tell you one in between. The first thirteen home run challenges were upheld as home runs. So it looked like it was off to a pretty slow start and it went through a season. May 13th, 2009 was the first time a home run was overturned, so in the following season. But on October 3rd, 2009, Game 3 of the World Series, Alex Rodriguez hits a two-run home run, and the umpire rules it a ground rule double. And... It was overturned, and he got his two-run home run, and they oh, went on no. to win the game. So in the World Series, boo, boo, who, right? Last time they won it, last time they were at a World Series because they didn't go at all this the past decade. What, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody totally can see us dancing. Totally, totally Yankee fans on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. raise the roof. <laughs> and I'm gonna oh, tell shucks, one, those, those one guys. other sport, one other sport, and you know what it's going to be. Because it's killing me to tell you. The NFL? Uh, tennis. Oh, tennis. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. We haven't talked about tennis. You're tennis? number one sport. Tennis, and I don't even... I guess I do know the year. 2006 introduced Hawkeye. Wait, Paul, real And quick. I thought he was busy on MASH, but I guess I was wrong. I thought he was busy with the Avengers. Um, but real quick, I know you're a tennis buff. Who's your favorite tennis player? Um... Anna, Anna, can't, what the heck's her name? Oh, I can't. You have so many easier options. I know, but I can't. go with Anna Kornikova? Anna, Anna, Anna Banana. Anna Kornikova. And you know why? Because you clearly find her attractive because she hasn't played tennis in years. <laughs> She's married to Enrique Iglesias. She like, stopped playing. She was never good. She was just known because she was attractive. Well, that's not why I was going to say I liked her. Okay, why do you like her? Because I was doing some random reading, and of the 31 professional athletes 
outrageous homes, she made the top 30. It's a massive, like, 27-room mansion. Well, yeah, because she's also married to Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> Who inherited his money from his dad? No, he was the singer. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he could be her hero. She's the last tennis player I really thought about because I was looking at those outrageous you know, cars and houses these people have. Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Rafael Roger Nadal. Federer's in the list. Yeah, you have Rafael Nadal. He's not on the list. Djokovic, Maria Sharapova. You had tons. I could have put Billy Jean. With the tennis player who last played, I think, professionally in like 2006 when Replay and Hawkeye came about. Well, you, <laughs> she never had Hawkeye. No. I just know that she had some good taste. She had a pretty darn good looking house. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It wasn't about her looks. It was uh, because I read that article. Yeah, sure, whatever you say. I, I do I, all my reading. I, you know, I, I study up on these things. And oh, you studied up on Anna Kornikova. Got it. Yep. You, you know who I, has you know who has the largest, most expensive home of all professional athletes? Tom Brady. He's in the top four or five, but he's in the he's he's in there twice because he's got an apartment he's got in Manhattan. Two homes. Yeah. He's yeah, got like he's, seven houses. He's got the one for sale up in Brookline. Um, so, uh, Tiger Woods. Well, yeah, he has a, a golf course in his backyard. A four-hole golf course. Yeah. Next to the yacht that everyone keeps saying they see driving through the Cape Cod Canal that's probably never left the dock down there in wherever it is down in Miami. Quick side note before we finally get back to tennis and Hawkeye. Do you think if you had four golf holes in the back of your yard, you'd actually get good at golf? No. Okay, no. good, because neither would I. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I go to the driving range just when I want to. Uh, I'd have to put I'd nets up around. My back. I'd have to put nets up lining my backyard so I don't hit the ball into the other mansion's windows. That's right. There you go. What were you hitting when you hit this ball into my window? A putter. I was, I was chipping. Or on the green. So, a couple of changes with referees and umpires, Greg. All right. NBA added a third referee after the 88-89 season. So it's three on ten, right? Three three referees watching ten players. Yep. So this is where we'll go back to they call more fouls because they see more fouls. Yeah, more eyes on the on the court. Do you think they have an asterisk in the record book? No. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. NHL added a, added a referee. Used to be a referee and two linesmen. Is it four now? Yeah. It's four now, and it's to watch 12 players. So, again, um, I guess they're kind of taking the fun out of the game, but I think they're really there to break up the fights. What are, you, are you trying to say they're basically doing one-third of the number of refs for, per players? Oh, my God. That's the way it's working out. Look at you, Mr. Mathematician. <laughs> Who would have thought me? Who would have thunk you to point that out? Be the math person. And that brings us to the NFL. Seven-person crew. Call it a person now because I had to change the article, which said a seven-man crew. Yes, because um, there are and, women now. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, it's seven observing 22. So there you go. The one-third thing basically stays true. It's around yeah, one-third for each one. It is. Uh, it is. That is pretty cool. Except baseball, I think, would be the only one that's not. Well... Actually, baseball, I think it kind of is. So, and, and we've baseball's got, four. 
We've got four. There's nine and, guys on the field, unless you count the batter, so ten. And then three basemen. So it's anywhere from ten to thirteen players. So it's pretty close. Yeah, it is close. It's pretty close. So they've added some. They've got instant replay. So I think it's a it might not be a better refereeing or umpiring, but it's probably more accurate. Yeah. And in baseball during the playoffs, they have more umpires also. And let they me go add, back. I think, two more. They I think. I think there's six. They add outfield. two extra along the lines. Yeah, out in the outfield, right? The, yep. uh, they should use the uh, Hawkeye out there for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think we actually ever fully talked about what Hawkeye is. I know what it is based on watching tennis. But for those non-tennis fans such as, unlike us, you know, us connoisseurs of the those game. Non, those, those non-tennis fans like everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unlike us, connoisseurs of Anna Kornikova. So it's very sophisticated, actually. It's it measures the trajectory of the ball and then it turns itself on and off and it watches that and it 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 whether it's in or out it's pretty basic and it yep. has eliminated an awful lot of controversial calls and i know i'm probably <laughs> i can't have a show without aging myself jimmy <laughs> connor's danya beating the guy up in the chair to death with his racket <laughs> screaming and yelling. i mean there's been there, don't worry there's been plenty instances of stuff like that since then yeah, they used to actually make fun of him on Saturday Night Live, and he was he was pretty colorful. I mean, remember the whole Billie Jean King versus... Uh, Bobby Riggs? Yes. I was like, I couldn't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. That was a pretty exciting time. That it whole was. thing. That was but staged. Now, like, that was staged. That was, I, I akin, that's akin to uh, hitting that golf ball on the moon. Jesus, every week. Is this going to be like your thing? It's my thing. It's your, it's your running joke. It is. It is. When I don't believe something's true, it's called the moon landing. Oh, all right. Well, you know what? I feel like on that note, I might just start wrapping you up now. <laughs> I think you should wrap me up. And speaking of wrapping up, have you done any Christmas shopping yet? No, because I'm not a crazy person. You haven't bought one gift. I, I know of gifts I'm getting. I do. I haven't bought any yet. Okay. All right. So you've thought about it. I have. You have a list? No, and I haven't checked it twice. All right. Just making sure, because I'm pretty sure you might have been that guy singing the Christmas carols. No comment. This is like going full circle. Anything, like, anything else, Paul? No, <laughs> I just go back to that. Like, I'd love to be wrong 37% of the time, and I probably am. But 37% of the time, they're wrong. That's nuts. Yeah. But anyway, it's improved since then. Because that was, you know, that was the first. Just remember, in all of our eyes, all the refs are wrong 99% of the time. Unless the call goes our way. Then they're correct. Yeah. That one time. That's it. Yeah. Nobody likes the ref. Ever. Some people like the refs. Certain refs. You ever see sometimes the football refs on the field and then like they pat the player on the butt when they're walking by and they're laughing and joking with them? What's that about? No, the only thing I never understood is how the refs can not be a little bit biased when you have quarterbacks and guys literally yelling at them every single play that this happened, this happened, this happened. Wouldn't you just one of those times be like, oops, I didn't I didn't see it, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't see it, Tom. And if you're complaining again, I'm never going to see it. Because no offense, I see a lot of guys complain, but the two I see complain the most are Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. <laughs> You would think people are committing murder on the field with how much they yell. Yeah. 
I think a lot of them do. A lot of showboating. Well, that's the that's the cross I bear of living in Massachusetts. I have to watch a lot of Patriots games. And a lot of Patriots on the news. Yeah. They don't even show All like good TV it. shows if they're on Monday night or Thursday night football. Hey, are the Jets and the Giants playing each other this year? Yeah. A couple really, of weeks? Really? No, this weekend. Yeah. I thought the it was battle. last weekend. But no, that's, so when they the, do? that's when the Jets lost to the Dolphins. So who's the home? Oh, yeah. Who's the home team? Doesn't matter. It's the Battle of the Bad in New York. But, you know, I know they retrofit that field every time there's a game, and sometimes it's blue and sometimes it's I green. I want to say the Giants are home, but I'm not 100% positive. I wonder if they do it every other time they play. They might even just do half and half. I forget what they do. I can't wait to see. Imagine that's all we care about. As long as, you know, the bad thing about that game, they can't both lose. <laughs> I do, Although, wish, they I do wish the Cowboys lost to the Giants with that darn black cat. <clears throat> That's bizarre. I don't know the whole story, but I did watch out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching sports, and all I can see is a cat running around the end zone. They're still looking for the cat. Apparently, the Jets or Giants would like to sign him because he's better options than what they have. Well, he ran faster. Nobody <laughs> could catch him. <laughs> and on that note, we'll wrap. We'll wrap it up. All right. Sounds All right, like a plan. Well, you have a good weekend. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Paul's Pylon. Great segment with Paul, as always. And before we get into some NFL talk, just a quick reminder that you should go to Seat Giant for all your concert sporting events, any ticket needs. If you go to Seat Giant, type in 12 on Sports promo code, you get even better discounts. Great deals, as always, at Seat Giant. Again, for all your sporting events, concerts, ticket needs in general. So make sure you check it out, Seat Giant. Now back to some NFL talk. Let's just go through it. you got like 15 minutes left in the show. It's all football the rest of the way through. Thursday night football last night, not a terrible game, better than I thought it was, littered with flags. Flags, there was more laundry on the field than there is in my hamper. And I got a kid, it's a lot of clothes, that's extra tiny clothes. There was more laundry on that football field though, than in my hamper, like I said. It was ridiculous, seemed like there was a penalty on every single play. But hey, Raiders and Chargers pushed through. Literally had to push through all the flags on the field and gave us a halfway decent game. Raiders couldn't run the ball, but hey, that's all right. It was overall, though, not a terrible Thursday night football game if you would completely, completely ignore all of the penalties. Isn't that what we all do anyway on Thursday night football? Do we just kind of ignore the penalties? Tom Brady didn't that one time, and it was a thing. But for the most part, it's Thursday. We're just glad there's football on. Besides that, though, before I get into my must-watch, upset-watch, lock-it-ins of the week, because that'll be what I end with this week, just one or two things to touch on in the NFL. The first, I have to talk about. Usually, I get on Skip Bayless. Usually, I can't believe what he has said. This week, though, there is another floating head who did something even more egregious 
in my mind with the comments he made. Max Kellerman. You may know him as Tom Brady's going to fall off the cliff, Kellerman. Hasn't happened yet, Max. Probably not happening at least for another year or two. Now we can say. But he made such a, I don't, I don't, idiotic comment. Just sometimes you wonder, how does he have a job? He had the gall to say, despite all the Eagles drops by wide receivers, he knows why it's happening. It's because Alsh on Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, all the other guys who are dropping passes left and right, week in, week out, passes that do hit guys in the chest, and they're just dropping. Why is this happening? Max knows. Apparently, it's because they don't like their quarterback, so therefore, they're purposely dropping passes. That is right. You didn't hear me wrong. Don't adjust the volume. Max Kellerman, a person professionally paid to be on national TV to talk sports and argue sports, said Eagles wide receivers are purposely dropping passes to spite Carson Wentz. How dumb can you be? What player is going to risk their livelihood, their future paychecks, because they don't agree with their quarterback? You think the majority of wide receivers in this league agree with their quarterback? Every guy wants the ball more. So you think when the quarterback finally throws it at them, they're going to drop it. Really, Max? Come on, Max. I usually have to say this about Skip, Max. Now I'm saying it about you. You're a fool. Just a plain old fool. Like, there were times I was like, yeah, that's not a great take. This one, though, takes the cake. Like, just... Come on. Be better than that. No wide receiver in their right mind is going to purposely drop passes. The one to try not to win games because every guy out here is trying to win. They are competitors. And not only that, the more catches they get, the better they look, the more money they get in the future. If they drop passes and continuously drop passes, you know what happens, Max. Yeah. Guys end up on the bench or sometimes on the couch. So it's just ridiculous of a thought to even have. But you had it and just said it. And now you're getting ridiculed for it. Just come on. No guys drop no guys doing that at all. It's just ridiculous. Besides that though, besides that just terrible take. The other big story of the week, Black Cat got loose, jinxed the, jinxed not the Cowboys, jinxed the Giants, and well, now they're trying to sign him as a kick returner. So yeah, Black Cat on the field. Everybody went nuts. Everybody enjoyed it. The other things I can't figure out, injuries. Guys that have been hurt for the majority of the season that didn't go on the IR. Such as Deshaun Jackson, who had a core abdomen injury, who after eight weeks and trying to play, now has to have surgery. He had surgery. It was, it was a success. But now he's out until if the Eagles make the playoffs. 
seemed logical that maybe just get the surgery after a few weeks of things not getting recovered. Same with Cam Newton. The sadder thing, though, is at this point, Cam Newton career might be over or it's not continuing with the Panthers most likely. Kyle Allen has made sure that he looks good enough to be that starting quarterback. It's sad for Cam. I mean, he's done a lot for Carolina. He is a superstar, but he has taken so many hits over the years, his body just can't hold up anymore. Maybe a change of scenery helps. Chicago, looking at you, because we all know Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. But, I mean, guys that are getting hurt probably should be on IR getting the treatment they need, just not. And it's weird. I don't know why it's happening, but it is. So who knows, will Cam Newton be like the next Andrew Luck where he just ends up retiring, even though he's only eight, nine years into the league? Or will he probably end up having to try to find a new home for him where he might actually have to compete for the starting job and prove that he can be a pocket passer? Guess only time will tell. Maybe he'll let us know by a fashion design choice. Like those kids telling college where they're going to go with the hats. Maybe Cam lets us know with a face scarf thing, whatever he wears. Who knows? All right, last but not least, before my time is up, my must-watch, upset-watch, and lock-it-ins of the week. Wrapping the show up with it. Changing it up a bit. All right, let's get into it. So last week... My must-watch was Vikings and Chiefs. Lived up to the hype. Came down to a final second field goal to give the Chiefs the win. Kirk Cousins, yeah, looked great and looked bad and looked great and looked bad. Matt Moore just did enough. And Tyreek Hill is the fastest man alive. He's not called cheetah for nothing. My upset pick, as we all know, I said the Giants over the Cowboys. That was a hope. Didn't pan out. Giants aren't good. Cowboys had a really bad start, and they didn't take advantage. And then a black cat showed up. Just a weird, weird game. And then finally, my lock it in. You locked it in. I locked it in. I know experts locked it in. Packers, three-point favorites at the Chargers. Blew it. Like, it wasn't just bad. It was blown wide open. They looked Awful. Aaron Rodgers didn't even throw for over 175 yards. Just not good at all. And he had and he had Adams come back. Really, really bad game for the Packers. And for gamblers everywhere. But that was last week. Now let's look to this week. So this week, we're going to start with my lock it in. Feeling good about the Lions. The Lions are a two-point Two and a half point underdog to the Bears, who, let me remind you, have a terrible quarterback. So bad, he wants the TVs turned off at the practice facility because he wants everybody to mute out the noise. Mitch, I hate to tell you, the only noise people are hearing is about you and how much you stink. Trade it up to the number two pick for a terrible quarterback, Bears. It's on you. And if Mitch can't block out the noise, that's on him. Either play better or, you know, I I don't know. Let Chase Daniel take over. 
But I feel good about the Lions winning that flat out. Lock it in. All right, my upset pick of the week. Not a lot of t- not a lot of games to really go with. The Browns have to win again at some point, right? And why not do it against the Bills? Maybe if they win, Baker gets another seven commercials. I mean, he could do a detective one. He could do a Ferris Bueller's Day Off one. He could do the Breakfast Club. I mean, if he looks like he did at his press conference this past Sunday, a lot of options open for him. But I think the Browns figure something out somehow, some way. The Bills are good defensively, but offensively they still lack to me. We saw them lackluster against the Eagles and the Patriots. So I think maybe another one against the Browns. I think the Browns pull it out. Upset that week. Or this week, I should say. And then my must-watch of the week. I could have gone a few different ways. You know, wasn't quite sure. I could have said, hey, let's see who is the terrible, terrible team in New York. Giants or Jets, it'll be figured out. Could have gone with Cowboys-Vikings. No. Instead, I'm going Monday Night Football because why not? I keep going with Monday Night Picks because upsets, must-watches, sometimes it seems the most logical. It's one of those weeks. You have the undefeated 49ers with Jimmy G and Richard Sherman going up against Russell frontrunner MVP Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Should be a good game. You have great passing offenses, great passing defenses. You have old members of the Legion of Boom going against old members of the Legion of Boom. But it's one of the few games this week that you could really actually say, I want to sit down and watch that from beginning, not front, beginning to end. And it should be a really good game. And we can see if the 49ers are maybe human. We found out the Patriots were. Lamar Jackson showed us apparently that if you just have any quarterback that resembles him, you have a chance to beat the Patriots. So I guess like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, not Mitch Trubisky. You got a few. There's not tons. You got a few. But again, not tons. So you may have gotten the one loss the Patriots are going to get this year with Lamar. But overall... Those are my picks. Again, my lock it in. I have the Lions outright winning over the Bears, who were favored by two and a half. I have my upset watch is Browns over Bills. And my must watch is Seattle 49ers, where I do think 49ers stay undefeated. I like that defense. Defense looks real good. I I just can't right now. They look really good, and their offense seems to be, you know, every week you can either have them run or pass. Jimmy G just showed that. But those are my picks. That's been this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Love to hear your stance. Again, you can find me on Twitter at SportsStance underscore, Facebook, Instagram at the SportsStance. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Check out the show. Check out past episodes. Let me know what you think. Let me know your stance on sports. Love to hear it, as always. But that's all. Have a good weekend. Once again, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Dance. Dance.